So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn with us to John chapter 1, the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3, and then also our beginning this morning in Psalm 142. And as you're turning to those places this morning, I have a, a very simple title, a very simple word, shunned. Shunned. What does it mean when a person is shunned? They're ignored. They're rejected. Might even say that they are deliberately avoided. Now in Psalm 142, it's easy for us to think that there are people that are hurting and they are being shunned. In other words, it's almost like we could even assume today that an unsaved person is being shunned by saved people. But I want to go another step further than that today. I want to tell you it is important for saved people to have a burden for the unsaved. Would you agree with that? But let me ask you this. Is it required... For an unsaved person to get saved only when God's people have a burden? What it boils down to is the brokenness that our world has. Sure, you can look around and say that there is no sympathy or even empathy. But that does not stop you from having a relationship with Jesus. In Psalms 142, David got to a very broken time in his life and he said, nobody cared. You know what? I, I've had a lot of talks with God lately. He said, God, if I've not urged the unsaved enough, give me. If I have not made the urgency of the hour important enough, forgive me. God, if I have not encouraged people that are unsaved to seek after you, forgive me. For I'll tell you this, never is it wrong for a person to seek out God. Sometimes people are afraid that they're not going to get satisfied or things aren't going to happen the way that they want. But I'm telling you, you are never wrong by seeking out God. This morning, shunned is not that unsaved people and broken people are being shunned. But are you shunning God in the opportunities you have? How many times do we walk out of the church house and God's dealing with us and we shun? Remember, shun means that we deliberately and purposely avoided what we knew we should do. I was one of those for a long time. I kept walking out the door and walking out the door. I was shunning God. But you know, sometimes we kind of think that if, if people around us aren't burdened for us and they don't want to see us saved, then, then that, that means I can't be saved. I want you to know this. It is important for saved people to be burdened for unsaved people. It's important for saved people to be burdened for other saved people. But that is not necessary or an absolute requirement in order for you to seek after him. Psalm 142. David was running from Saul. And he got chased into a cave. You want to talk about a classroom that he got to learn quite a bit. He was running for his life. He goes into a cave. And I don't know what all critters were in a cave. Or 
how, how despair it was. But I can imagine a man running for his life. He ends up in a dark, uh, no telling what was in this cave. That he felt like, God, I need you right now and nobody cares. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice of the Lord did I make my supplication. He said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Boy, do you notice how deep this hole is getting for him? When my spirit was not just troubled, he said, but when my spirit was overwhelmed. You know what the word overwhelmed means? It's, it means it, it's almost like what we would say the body fainting. He said, again, he said, my spirit was overwhelmed within me. When thou knewest my path, in the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. This fourth verse is what I really have a burden for you this morning. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. David said, when I was looking to other people to help me out, he said, there was nobody else there. But what we're going to see this morning is, is that just because that maybe people don't have the burden that they should, just because things aren't the way that you think that they should be, does not mean you cannot talk to God. For he said, I looked and he said, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I have struggled a lot with this one lately. That, that may God help me not to live a life that people might think that, not, that we do not care about their soul. For I'm telling you, I want you to be successful in life. I want you to have health. I want you to have prosperity. I have no problem with those things in life. But I want you to be very clearly understanding this morning, there is nothing more important than your soul. There is nothing today that you need to fix more than anything else in your life than your soul. And today that if I have failed in that capacity, I have begged God, forgive me, Lord, for not having a burden the way that I should, for not witnessing and testifying and encouraging people to seek after you. God, forgive me for that, for I have been like David, that I got into a place and I looked and there was nobody there. But what we're going to find out is, is that just because nobody's there doesn't mean that we have been shunned by man. For I'll tell you this, man may shun you, and I'll go ahead and confess that. Man may shun you, but I promise you God never will. But have we shunned God? And David said, I looked and he said, everybody failed me. And he said, no man cared for my soul. I cried to thee, O Lord. And I said, thou art my refuge and personal land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. Again, just because nobody else was there did not stop him from saying, God, you are the one going to deliver me. He said, and I will praise thy name. The righteous shall come past me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. I believe today that this is a great picture of what Jesus even is to many people today. He desires, he's there, he wants them, but nobody cares. There's not a desire, there's not a burden that is there. And notice what we see in this particular psalm. There was no man that would know me. How many of you this morning know Jesus? 
I know this is a conversation, a topic that happens pretty frequently, but how do you know Jesus? In what capacity do you know Him? John chapter 1, if you mark that for just a minute, let's turn over. John chapter 1, and I want to skip down to the 10th verse. Jesus is talking about how He was the light. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. So in other words, if I'm the Creator, I'm the boss, maybe that's what we could say. If I'm the one that created and made all of these things, He said, yet the world knew Him not. How is it that people do not know Jesus? The psalmist said, there was no man that would know me. There's a lot of people in this world that don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people today that that might even go to the church house and they're going to leave and not knowing who Jesus is. There's a lot of people even this morning, and again, I'm not in in an accusation type way, but there are people today that their lives and all the extracurricular things of their life are more important than knowing Jesus. I want you to know this. Listen to what David said. He said, nobody would know me. Today, Jesus wants you to know Him. Jesus wants you to know Him, not just in name, but He wants to know you in relationship. You see, this morning, as as, as David began to say, he said, no man. He said, there was no man that would know me. Probably one of the craziest or probably one of the wildest places we could ever get to in life is where we don't want to know who Jesus is. You know what? If you don't want to know about Jesus and you don't want to seek Him, you know what I've learned is that people can walk away from Christ, and they do. Matter of fact, people keep walking away from Christ. They run from Him. And you know what happens? One day they're walking away from Him and they step off into hell. That's exactly what happens to people that do not seek God. They run from Him. They flee from Him. Or maybe it's not important about knowing Him. So they just simply avoid Him. And when they do, they just step off into hell. Hell is a real place, and we may talk about that in a little bit. But Jesus here and uh, teaches us that as Christ was the light, and that that it, that He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. You know, a lot of people today, or a lot like what David was saying in that one forty-second in the fourth Psalm, there that they would. You know, a lot of people think about the, the, in, the purposely intentional rejection of the word. David said, they had opportunities, but nobody would know me. That's what David said. Nobody would know me. Do you think today that Jesus is creating a relationship to a point that cannot be accessed? What I mean by that is this. Is that if you want to know Jesus, he will provide a way. But you've got to seek Him. You've got to go after Him. You've got to talk to Him. You've got to commune with Him. You cannot be ashamed of Him. Well, the devil can work overtime in those areas. We're busy or we got somewhere to go or we got something more important. If you want to know Jesus, you've got to want to know Him more than anything else. I don't know what else is on your agenda. I don't know what else you have. But I can assure you today that there's one person in this place that the only thing that is the greatest concern for me today is your soul. Whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever you got to do, I want you to know today that our desires is that I want you, that you would know Jesus. And David said that 
Nobody, that no man would know me. There's a lot of people today that don't really want to know about Jesus. As a matter of fact, I've even seen, uh, I've even seen it in our, our secular world today that people try to create hurdles and laws to try to keep people from knowing Jesus. I want to tell you something today. They can, you can disband the Bible. You know what? That doesn't mean that the living word cannot speak to your heart. People can make it harder for you to hear the gospel, but guess what? If God is speaking to you, He's trying to get you to a place and a point in your life that you might know Him. And David, could you imagine the, the, the brokenness and how sad it was? He said that there was no man that would know me. Jesus this morning, is, can you imagine that the brokenness that he has in every service that people leave the church house with the great stirring in their heart. And for him to only understand, they just don't want to know me. What have I done? You want to talk about getting your feelings hurt? Let people walk away from you when you're trying to love them and care for them and be kind for them. And even more so, for God's sake, to give you everlasting life only for people to walk away. Could you see today that healed me in that very place? He said, do people want to know me? If they wanted to know me, why do they run from me? If they wanted to know me, why do they not seek after me? We know why. Because the devil begins to work on the other end and say, there's something more important or you've got more time or all these excuses that happen. But David said that there was no man that would know me. I believe today that there is a, a great need for spiritual hunger in this world. And people are, are hungry. But they're not hungry for the, for the righteousness of Christ. You don't have to turn over and read it, but I want Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For he says, For they shall be filled. Do you know what a hunger is? Hunger just means that if you have cravings, you're not hungry. Let me, let me distinguish the difference. Cravings and hungry are two different things. Sometimes you're kind of maybe full and you can still have a craving. But when you're hungry, there's a strong desire. First of all, if a person has a strong desire to be filled with the righteousness of Christ, why are they not filled? Do you mean to say that Christ has let us down? That we can have a desire for something only for those needs to be unmet? Absolutely not. If today, if you have a strong desire for a relationship with Jesus, I believe today that He, through His Spirit, that will trouble you and draw you, that you can know that you have a relationship with Him. For blessed are they, He said, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger kills. That's what hunger will do. Hunger kills. Paul said in Ephesians, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. That is what hunger does for us. But not only does it, does it does destroy us or take our life, but you know what? When you are hungry, pause that thought just a second. Have you ever met a starving person? I want to differentiate between a hungry person and a starving person person that's truly deeply hungry or we might even shift gears and say starving, they're not worried about what color shoes they have on, are they? Do you think a hungry person cares what color shoes they have? 
Do you think a hungry person today is worried about what kind of hairstyle that they have? Absolutely not. A starving person this morning is not worried about what events are happening. A starving person simply wants one thing. They need their needs met. If you truly are hungry for Jesus, nothing else will matter. But you see, do you have a point in your life where you've reached hunger? Or does the world just keep feeding you just a little bit so you don't feel like you need Jesus? Today, when you let go of the world and you get hungry for Jesus, listen to what he said. Blessed are they, he said, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Isaiah talked about how do they, how do they spend for money for things that are not bread? He said, you know, there are people today that are doing things that are not things that are going to satisfy their needs in their life. You know, we live in a busy, busy, busy world. We fill our schedules and we have to schedule things. And we're we're trying to make room for this and make room for that. And we're trying to do all these things. But I'm praying today that, that God will remove all of those things and make you truly hunger for Him. Hunger to a place where David said that no man would know me. I'm praying today that you would have a spiritual hunger for him. For blessed are they, he said, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Usually, if a person is hungry or in the starving mode, you're not going to ask another starving person because obviously they're in the same boat. Lost people can't seek lost people on how they're going to get saved. Folks, you've got to find people that's been saved. They can point you in the way. You want to know, do people care for your soul? It's the people that's been filled with the righteousness of God. The people that are saved by His wonderful and His marvelous grace. But you know today, if a person is starving, you can bring them flowers. You can sing them a pretty song. Play them some wonderful music. But what do those things do for a hungry, starving soul? Many churches today have turned it into a, a theater. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, all, I'm not against all these things that happen. But I want you to know that all the acoustical things that we do are not near as important as the spiritual food that the church pre- preaches and proclaims unto you about Jesus Christ. Yes, do we want you to come see all the, the things that are happening? And that's a wonderful thing. But I want, I'm going back to what David said, that nobody cared for my soul. I want you to know this morning, there's a lot of things that I care about. And a lot of people might even say that, man, those people don't care about anything. But you know what I believe about a true New Testament church? They may not care about a lot of things, but they deeply should and will care about your soul. I think we can all agree that even a place like this, we're not worried about what color something is or what it looks like. What we're concerned is about your soul. And today I want you to see that, that David got to a place that, 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 that he just needed food. He just needed that relationship. Jesus just wants you to be saved. And today I want you to understand is that if we're going to seek after Him, that, that we have to, to seek after Him with all of our heart. You know what, today it's important that we realize today that, that, that for you and for me, if we want a relationship with Jesus, we must be willing to surrender everything that we have. What do you have today to surrender to God that's not already His? It's a sinful heart that He wants to grant unto you. You see, there was a rich young ruler that we read about in the New Testament. That he goes to Jesus and he realized that he was successful. 
he realized he had some things, but he tells him, he says, now go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I've got a lot. He said, but I'm not going to surrender that. This morning, what are you willing to surrender? We get to the end of the services so often, and as our custom, but again, it's okay if we do or don't. But you come to a service and you get a chance to seek and talk to the Lord and how many people leave? How many people, whether it's through other means of, of listening in to the services and they hear these things, but yet when it comes to the end that, that there's no seeking after the Lord, I can tell you this. I heard this said the other night in, in services that if whatever you do for Him, He is worthy of that. If you seek after the Lord today, you know what? I believe that He's worthy of that. I believe that today it's advisable for you. If you need to seek after Him, do that. For if your soul is hurting today, if your soul is in distress, as David was in a cave, and all these things were befallen upon him, that he simply just said, Lord, he said, I, I, want, to, uh, to, to, I want to get to a place that I might fully and truly know you. For Jesus, when he told those following after him, he said, you've got to deny yourself. He said, you've got to let go of all the things that you want to do. And he said, you've got to follow after me. You know what happened to the crowds of people following after Jesus? Go back and read. The crowds got less and less and less. The more he told them, they've got to let go of their things. Hell's going to be filled full of people that wanted their way, their things, or their teachings. Folks, there's only one way, and that's Jesus' way. That's why he said, I am the door. He said, if any man in any other way is a thief and a robber, he said, you cannot do that. That's not the way it was designed. Today, are you willing to surrender things or whatever it is in your life? I want to ask you another rather important question. Are you satisfied with yourself? Are you satisfied with the condition of your soul? I can answer both of those to you. Am I satisfied with myself? Absolutely not. Am I satisfied with my soul? Yes. You know why? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit did in my soul. This morning, are you satisfied with where your soul is today? If not, if you're not satisfied or things are just not right, then are you going to seek Him? Are you going to just say, well, let's go. We've got other things we've got to do. We've got places to go. Today, are you satisfied and we see here that, that, that Jesus talks about that blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not fame, not fortune, but righteousness. Jeremiah said, 29 chapter 13 verse, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Today, when's the last time you sought after the Lord with all of your heart? David said in that 142nd Psalm that we started with, he says, I looked on my right hand, behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. People would not give David a place to stay. That's, that's what David felt. He said, I needed a refuge, a place to go, and he said, it wasn't there. Where does the Holy Spirit of God want to dwell? In your soul. In your soul. We try to fill the world with so many things. So many ideas and so many theories that are out there. But today I believe that your soul was meant for the Spirit of God. And nothing else can replace that. 
God wants you. That's why there's a there's an ickiness. That's why there's a drawing. That's why there's a pounding. Because deep down inside of you, there is something that God is showing you that you need Him and Him alone. So when David said that, that refuge failed me, he said, the place that I wanted to go or needed to go, he said, I couldn't go there. Could you imagine how many people today that God is there knocking upon the heart of their, their, their the, the door of their heart and He's there and He's knocking saying, let me in, only for them to walk away from Him. And He said, all I wanted to do was to come in. That's what He wanted to do. He wants to reign and to rule in their life. But yet, they'll hold on. Folks, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing because I've been there. I did that for, I don't know, seven or eight years. I ran from God. I ran from God. And I ran from God. And truthfully today, I shunned God. It's exactly what I did. I shunned God. But you know what? When I got to a place that I no longer deliberately avoided Him and ran from Him, and I surrendered, folks, that's when I found peace in my life. And I assure you today, and I promise you this morning, the only way you're going to find peace in your life is to surrender unto that drawing power of the Holy Spirit of God. For He said, Refuge failed me. And He goes on to say, Not only... Was I experiencing all these things? He said, refuge failed me. Go back to the book of 2 Samuel for just a second. Not long ago, we talked about people that were seeking asylum or, or, or a city of refuge. The idea was that if you took the life of another person accidentally, you could flee to a city. And as long as you were in that city... You were safe. One of those cities was Hebron. You can read Joshua chapter 20. But of those cities that were set aside as refuge, one of those was Hebron. So let's go now to the 27th verse. I want you to notice right quick that we're going to see between... uh, uh, There was an accidental death that had happened... Between Joab and Abishai. Uh, But anyway, let's go ahead and read right quick. And when Abner was returned to Hebron. Okay, so he's in this safe place. Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly. Well, Abner wanted him to pay for his brother's death. So he knew he couldn't hurt him there. So he said... I'm going to pull you out of the refuge of where you are. So what did he do? He said, come to the gate. He said, come here. He said, you need to, you, you, you need to experience when, what, when you're away from that safe place. And he said, and he smoked him there under the fifth rib. And he died by the blood of Ashiel, his brother. So again, he avenged his brother's death. And all he had to do was pull him out of that refuge. Today, people, I encourage you today to understand that in Christ Jesus, you will find life and you will find life more abundantly. Outside of Christ, you know what you find? We've already read to you. But outside of Christ, we find death. And we see that there was a lure that was there. He said, I want to draw you, and I want to draw you away from this safe place. Notice the 28th verse of 2 Samuel chapter 3. And after when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner the son of Ner. 
And he talks about how that, that God was going to work and that how that, that, that if he had not come out of that city, that he would never have been exposed to evil. Had he not come out of that city, that he would have been able to experience the goodness and the safety of God. So today I want you to know that, that if you seek him, you're getting in a place of refuge. And David said in that 142nd Psalm, he said, Refuge fell me. And no man cared for my soul. I don't think today that everybody just turns Jesus away. But I sure do think that's a pretty high number of the people that walk away from Him. This is Sunday, the Sabbath day. Now I know the Lord can deal with people every day of the week. But let me ask you this. Do you think that there's a great number of people that are disturbed on Sunday of their relationship with Christ? How many people go to church and then walk away from church without talking to Him? You don't have to talk to Him physically in an altar, but it's a good place to be. You, you can talk to Him where you're at. You can talk to Him wherever you are. Today He said, No man cared for my soul. What do people care about today? Now it's not wrong to have a clean car. Some people are worried about a clean car. Not worried about maybe some kind of a, an achievement that they can happen, but you know what? People are out there worried about those achievements. There's all kinds of things. I don't have to list them this morning, but there's so many things today that people put as a higher priority than their soul. And you know what? If you can be like David said, nobody cares for my soul, I want you to know this, that even if that is a true statement, that, that, but that the truth is there are people that care for your soul, but even that, you must understand, regardless of anybody else, you can still talk to God. Today, the church should have a great burden and a desire. We should be falling at the feet of our God, saying, God, have merciful among these sinners that they might be saved. But I'm praying today that you would be to a place that even though you think nobody cares for my soul, that it's not, you're not rejecting us and we're not rejecting you. It's rejecting Christ. Jesus said, if you do it the least of these, you do it also unto me. He said, no man cared for my soul. John, chapter 14, excuse me, John chapter 1, and in the 10th verse, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and again, nobody would know him, but I want to skip over just a a, a few chapters to the 14th chapter right quick if we can. Why were people rejecting him and pushing him away? Well, I want to get over for just a second to John chapter 14 and verse 7. If ye had known me, you should have known the Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father as it sufficeth thee. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, so is the Father? Believest thou that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am the Father, 
and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. I don't believe today that you have to wait to die and go to heaven to know Jesus. I believe that, let's break that down a little bit more. I believe you can experience Jesus here on this earth. But you must experience Jesus on this earth before you can experience Him in heaven. Today when we talk about that nobody cares for my soul and that, that, that nobody is concerned about that, I want you to know this. Jesus said, you should know me. He's not talking about the relationship with all these other people. He said, you should know me. There's different levels of knowing. Knowing is different levels of that. One, we talk about just simply knowing a fact about something. Or maybe we could, like if somebody told me the temperature was 70 degrees in here, then a fact is it's 70 degrees. Another level is I know it's 70 degrees because I've seen a thermometer that says it's 30 degrees. So not only do I know it, I also know the facts behind it or the support behind it. So we know that. The third level talks about knowing as far as having a relationship. But the deepest level of knowing Jesus is what Paul said in Philippians in the third chapter and the tenth verse. He says that I may know Him. Today, folks, of all the things in life that you can know, of all the people in life that you can know, social media is just filled full of how many friends and how many connections and all these things that we may have. I am telling you, all those could be zero. You only need one in your life. You need Jesus. And David said, here I was in this cave. He said, and there was nobody else Here's the good part. If you're going to get saved and you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, it needs to be just you and Him. That's all it is. It's strictly between you and Him. Let's skip it down to that 19th verse in the 14th chapter of John. He says, Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me because I live. Ye shall live also. Jesus said, I'm going to part from Him before long. And He said, You're going to see me. You're going to know me. He says, But ye see me. Me. I believe that Jesus was teaching. He said, there are some people that know me in a different way than others might know me. Let's put that a little bit different. Folks, there's saved people and there's lost people. I know Jesus. I've experienced Jesus. But what about you today? What about you today? Are you simply feel shunned? Or do you feel like maybe you're the one that's shunning God? What a wonderful opportunity you have this morning to come into this place and not shun Him, which means to deliberately and purposely avoid Him. Are you going to seek after Him? God bless you this morning. I'm finished. I've said what's on my heart. Let's get a song.